2 Timothy chapter 3. We're in the second part of a series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week we talked about who Jesus said the Holy Spirit was. He said he is another helper. And we learned what that meant for us in our lives. And this week I want to talk to you about how the Bible teaches us here in 2 Timothy 3 that Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, the Bible teaches us that Scripture is inspired by the breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And, and uh, I want to... I just wanna encourage you in the reliability and life-changing power of God's word today, if that's all right. So 2 Timothy chapter three, I'm gonna start in verse 16. This is what the Bible says. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love it. All scripture is God-breathed. Some of you, your translation might say, inspired by God or God inspired. Let's talk about that today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to be here in your house today. I thank you for every person that's gathered. I just pray today, God, that you would speak clearly to them, that no matter how they came in the room today, no matter how whole or broken they feel, that all of us would leave encountering you in the power of your presence and your word. We give you glory for what you have already done and we acknowledge that you want to do more. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. God breathed. God breathed. God breathed there is uh, basically, it's one kind of uh, Greek word. And I'm going to spell it out for you so that if you're taking notes or you write these things down or you put them in your phone or whatever, you can have it. But it's this word. It's T-H-E-O-P-N-E-U-S-T-O-S. Theonustos, Theonustos, and I'm not going to say it the way <laughs> the Greeks would say it because I would mess it up and I'd end up saying a swear word or something, but that's, that's how Robbie says, Theonustos. It comes from basically two words, Theo, which means divine or divinity, which means God, and the P-N-E-U is where in the book of Acts chapter 2, and it says the Spirit of God came down. The word there is used pneuma, and so this word uh, breathed or inspired is the word that's connected to pneuma, to spirit. So what the author is clearly teaching us here is that the scriptures are inspired or breathed by God, and they're connected to the breath of God, which when we see the breath of God throughout scripture, it's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to see more of that, but I just wanted to kind of give you that as the base. And then I'm just going to give you some practical information here. So you can write this down if you're taking notes. But scholars agree that the Bible was written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,600 years. Many of them, most of them, were strangers. They came from all different types of backgrounds. They were army generals, priests, shepherds, Jesus' own brothers, kings, tax collectors, doctors, fishermen, government officials, and others. The Bible was written in three different languages, over 12 different countries, on three different continents, and is 66 books all saying and pointing to the same person, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. Yeah, we could put our hands together for that. It's amazing to me. People that didn't even meet each other, people that lived in different countries, people that lived on different continents, spoke different languages, would be saying and declaring the same thing. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 5, verse 39. He said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures, he says, point to me. 
Oh man, I love that about the Bible. No matter what story you are reading, every story truly points to Jesus truly points to Jesus. The story of David and Goliath, it's pointing to Jesus. The story of Noah, the story of Moses, they're all pointing to Jesus. And that's why when we look at the Old Testament, it's, it's nice to learn principles from the lives of those heroes in the Old Testament, but truly, we are not the hero of the Bible. Jesus is the hero of the Bible. I'm not Moses. I'm not David. Jesus is a better Moses. That's what the Bible's teaching is. Jesus is a better David. He's a better Joseph. He follows all the way through. He doesn't stay on the outside of the promise like Moses. He takes us all the way in. Come on, is there anybody thankful for Jesus today who's the point of the whole Bible? Is the point of the whole Bible. And, and I, I want to take a moment here to talk about why I believe the Bible has been able to withstand so much controversy, so much attack, uh, so many different attacks, both physically and intellectually, to destroy it. Um, I believe it's because of this. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 7 and 8. It says, the grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. Not amazing? But even though the grass withers and the flowers fall, the word of the Lord, it says, endures forever. In other words, the Bible's clearly saying people are going to fail and fall, but the word of the Lord will last forever. So it doesn't matter how many people or how many times the Bible has been uh, attacked or how many times people have tried to intellectually tear it down or how many times governments have tried to get rid of it and destroy it. The Bible outlasts all of them. Have you ever noticed that they die and the word of the Lord continues on? Come on, because when the breath of God blows, people fade, but the word of God lasts forever. Is there anybody who's grateful today for the word of God that lasts forever, that stands the test of time? The Bible, even though it was written from pen to paper by men, uh, is far more than that. Yes, men wrote and yes, men spoke, but they didn't speak on their own and they didn't speak of their own. They did write with their own language and in their own style. You can see their distinct style throughout the Bible. That's why even though Hebrews doesn't have an author connected to it, that most people believe it was Paul because stylistically, it reminds people of the Apostle Paul. So they had their own language, their own style, but the thing that was similar and the thing that was exactly the same, actually, is that the Holy Spirit inspired all of these men to write what they wrote. It is not just Peter speaking his truth, it is Peter speaking God's truth. Come on. It's not just Moses speaking his version of the story, it is Moses speaking God's version of the story. There are different dimensions to their speaking and their writing, but it's the same dimension of God and his Holy Spirit that truly wrote the Bible. The author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. The author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. I want to show you where, where we can find that because I think it's very important that we see that. First of all, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, it says, First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by the impulse of men, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Watch this. It says they spoke from God, and they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 
They weren't just speaking for God, they were speaking from God. They weren't just, they weren't just ambassadors for Christ, they were, they were speaking as if they were the Christ speaking through them. This is God's word. This is God's word. This is God's word. Amen. I think somebody should be excited about that because this isn't the Reader's Digest. This isn't People Magazine. This isn't my inter. I'm not getting up this morning and giving you just my thoughts on the Bible. I'm declaring to you what God's word says because I want to give you some just information that's going to help you out. My words will not change your life, but his words can change your life. When you come to church, you don't want to hear my words. You want to hear what God has to say about your situation. So you want somebody that's speaking, moving in the Holy Spirit and speaking from God. John 14, Jesus said this, John 14, the chapter we read through last week, in John 14, verse 25 through 27, it says, all this I've spoken while I was with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Jesus is literally telling his disciples the responsibility that the Holy Spirit is going to have when he comes is he's going to help you write the New Testament. He's going to come, he's going to teach you, and he's going to remind you of what I said. That's why when we read through the Bible and it has red letters, we can trust that that is what Jesus said, because the Holy Spirit, they weren't just like, oh, let me think about it. Yeah, he said that. No, the Holy Spirit reminded them of what Jesus said. Isn't that powerful? In 2 Samuel chapter 23 and 2, the, the, the Bible says this, it says, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me. And his word was on my tongue. John 16, 12 through 13. Jesus said, I have said many things. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's why we can trust the revelation of John in the book of Revelation, that this is what heaven is going to look like. This is what is intended for the believer. This is what intended for what is intended for the unbeliever. We can trust that heaven is our home. Come on, we can trust that when we leave this life, that we will be with God, that we just don't die in just utter darkness, but when we die, we go to be with the Lord. Come on, somebody. We are with him forever, and so we can trust what the Bible says. We could trust the Bible. We could trust that at the end of all of this, we win. I don't know if there's anybody who's been losing a lot, Tennessee, um, but we can trust, come on, that at the end of this, no matter who who the coach of Tennessee is, we're going to win ultimately. Come on, somebody. As Christians, we are victorious. We can trust the end of the, we can trust the beginning, in the beginning God, and we can trust the end of the book. We can trust him. The Bible, it's, uh, it's reliable. Why? Because God is. God, the Bible says about him in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, it says that it is impossible for God to lie. Psalm 119, 142 says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your word is truth. If you want to know what the enemy fights, just look at Jesus' first parable to his disciples. The parable in which he preached to his disciples and talked to his disciples, and he said to them, hey, if you don't get this one, you won't understand anything else I'm trying to say to you. 
If you don't understand this, you won't understand anything else I'm trying to say to you. He says, the sower comes and he sows the seed, which is the word of God. He says, but the enemy, Satan, comes to snatch the seed. Why? Because the most powerful force in your life is the word of God. It's the word of God. And I think sometimes in Christianity, especially maybe in circles like ours, a more charismatic, Pentecostal expression of church, I think very often misses the mark because we get so wrapped up in feelings that we miss out on the power of God's word. I think very often when we look at things and we say, oh, that, that, the Holy Ghost was there. Well, well, why? Well, people were shouting. Well, the Holy Ghost was there. Why? Well, somebody fell on the floor. Or the Holy Ghost was there. Why? Because somebody prophesied. Or the Holy Ghost was there. Why? Because somebody spoke in tongues. Or the Holy Ghost was there. How do you know? Because I felt a goosebump. Right, And we, we, we bring him down to this emotion or this feeling or this manifestation of feeling or expression. But he is more than that. He is the author of the word of God in our lives. Now, now why is that important? Because the Holy Spirit is more than an emotion. He's more than a feeling. He's more than a doctrine. He is a person. He is a person who has relationship with us. How? Not emotionally all the time, not by feeling all the time. Have you ever not felt God? Can somebody be honest in the room, like besides this little room, this little section right here? They say, oh yeah. Can like somebody else, is anybody in the room ever just, I haven't felt God? And, and you thought that you felt God because you, you felt uh, and your emotions get stirred or, or they, they hit this like peak in the song and you got, you got to, you got to shaking or, or you got to crying and all of that stuff is wonderful and all of that stuff is, is, is valid and I love it, but none of that can replace the power that the actual word of God has in your life. Whether you feel it, whether you cry, whether you shake, whether you feel it on your arms or your hair stand up or not, God's word has power. It's got just as much power in Leviticus as it has in the book of Acts. God God's word is powerful. There's just as much Holy Ghost in Leviticus as the book of Acts. And sometimes I think, and in, in especially churches like ours, we get caught up in the feeling. And then when the feeling's gone, we think that the Holy Spirit has left the building. We think that, oh man, God's, God's not moving. Why? Well, at church, they're just not making room for the Holy Ghost to move. They just are making room. No, what, what you're saying is they're not making room for your emotional peak to reach its necessary level for you to feel like you went to church. Can I tell you that when the word of God is preached, the Holy Spirit is active in the room that the word of God is being preached in. And can I tell you why every move of God that has started all over the world that got caught up in emotion stopped? Because feelings end, but the word of God, feelings fade. Just like the grass fades and the flower withers. Feelings fade, but the word of God lasts forever. Can I tell you when I believe true revival will hit this nation? When the word of God becomes not just an app on the front page of our phone that we overlook and go to Instagram for, or the word of God is the thing we skip by so that we can go and listen to a Bethel song, but the word of God is the main thing in our life. We need a revival of the word of God. It will sustain you. When your feelings fail you, it will sustain you. 
I've met so many Christians through the years. They're so up and down. They're so in and out. They're so wishy-washy and they're so emotional because they're thinking that everything connected with God has to do with how I feel in the moment. And if I don't feel it, then God must not be there. No, God is actually really, really close. The Bible says he's as close as the words in your mouth. And if you will open up your mouth and begin to express the word of God and not your feelings and not your emotions and not what the doctor said and not what the report said and not what your finances say and not what your friends say and not what your spouse says, but if you will build your life on the word of God and not your emotions, you will have joy when it makes no sense. You will have peace when it makes no sense. You will have you will have. You will have a, 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 a skip in your step when your bank account is empty. Who goes to dancing when their bank account is empty? Christians do. Because our joy isn't connected to our emotions. Our joy isn't connected to our circumstances. Our joy is connected to his word and what he has declared. Listen to me. I love it all. I love dancing. I love singing. I love shouting. I love crying. I, I've, I've laughed in God's presence. I've fallen on the floor in God's presence. I've done a lot of things in God's presence. But I can't build my life on that. See, that's why so many people are trying to get back to an emotion they felt. Back to an experience they had. Back to like, I'm, and, and it'd be like Moses, like out in the wilderness, like God, I just want to go back to the burning bush, because because what we're trying to do is we're getting trying to get back to that high we felt, that that high we felt, and we're we're trying. So so this is what I love about Moses. He didn't build a monument to the burning bush. See, most Christians build a monument where they feel like they felt God the most. And then everything in their life is seen through that lens. If it doesn't feel like that, it's not God. If it doesn't seem like that, it's not God. If he doesn't talk to me like that, it's not God. If, it didn't feel, if I don't feel those emotions, if it's not fire, then it's not God. Well, can I tell you something? That the same God that was in the burning bush is the same God that was in the middle of the wilderness when there was no food and no water. And The same God that was back in 1985 when you fell on the floor and you got filled with the Holy Ghost is the same God today, and he's as close to you. He's, he's as close to you as the word in your mouth. I know you don't feel what you used to feel. I know you don't have that same emotional rush you used to have, but listen, we don't build our lives on a feeling. We build our lives on God's word. Can somebody say amen? Man. Second Chron you want revival? Second Chronicles chapter 34. There's an eight-year-old boy that turned the nation around. Eight years old. From the time he was eight to the time he was 16 years old, he had brought so much change to the nation. He, had, he, had, he commanded them, he said, I want you to go to the temple and I want you to fix it. I want you to restore it. And while they're there, they find, they find not their old Hosanna CDs, <laughs> not their old tent revival music, because some of y'all think God's presence is attached, attached to an expression of worship, and you're like, I don't like this new stuff, I like the old stuff, well, this new stuff's going to be old someday, too, and it just... And some 16-year-old who's like, this is cool, this is cutting edge, is in, in 20 years is going to be like, oh, look at that old, that new music they're doing. 
It's just, everybody does it. Because for some reason, we think that the Holy Spirit is connected to some expression of worship. We think that we have figured out what style of music heaven likes. <laughs> and so the Bible teaches us that Josiah turns the nation around, not when he goes back and he gets back to his Pentecostal roots. No, he, the Bible says that they found the law of the Lord. The law. Thou shalt not. And they brought it to him, and they said, here is the law of God. He said, read it to me. They read it to him. He starts to break in the presence of the Lord. At 16 years old, he leads an entire nation in revival with the law. The Ten Commandments. He, he, because they had been disregarding God's word, he finds God's word. And he says, this is what, we've been living this way. This is how God intended for us to live. And the Bible says that the entire nation experienced revival because he put the Ten Commandments on the wall. What are you waiting for? Like, you're waiting for 1992 to come back. You're waiting for Brownsville to hit Johnson City, Tennessee. You're waiting for Benny Hinn to come through in an arena. You're waiting for Billy Graham to come back from the dead and preach a great message and the world gets saved. No, you're waiting on the wrong thing. Stop valuing experience. Stop valuing somebody's ability to preach. Start valuing the word of the Lord. And when we get the word of God back to its place in our life, revival will be the overflow. The Bible, the Word of God. What's it doing right now? It's working in you, Scripture says. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13 says, and we also thank God continually because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Amen. So there were two, pre two prerequisites for the word of God to do what it needed to do. You had to believe, and then you have to believe that it's not human words, but God's words. Yes, There's so many people unaffected by the Bible because they don't believe they're God's words. You're unaffected by the Bible because you're wondering, is the Bible reliable? Is it a trustworthy source of information? Uh, it was written by humans, right? So, and when, you, when, you're, when you're skeptical of God's word, you can't receive the fullness of what it can do in your life. You have to believe it is God's word. So in other words, when your opinion comes into contact with God's word, you are wrong and God's word is right. When your feelings come into contact with God's word and God's word says you are wrong, you are wrong. And God's word is right. Let God be true and every man 
a liar. When your emotions tell you, I feel this way and this is what I feel like doing, but it comes into contradiction with God's word. Your feelings are wrong. Your heart is wrong. Matter of fact, it's not just wrong. The Bible says you shouldn't listen to your heart at all because it's the easiest thing for the enemy to deceive. It's deceitful. Above all, the heart is the easiest thing to deceive. Go with your heart. No, go with God's word. If it feels good, do it. No, if God said it, do it. <laughs> and people are like, why am I not experiencing the inworking of the word of God? Was because you don't believe it to be the word of God. You put it on the same level as somebody else's word. You put God's word on the same level as Fox News. You put God on the same level as CNN or MSNBC. And when Hannity says it, it's like God said it. Or when Cavuto says it, it's like God said it. Or when Limbaugh says it, God must have said it. Oh, and I know I'm getting in trouble in the South because I, I know what y'all listen to on the radio down here. It's obvious who everybody votes for down here mostly. So when I say Limbaugh or Hannity or Tucker, y'all are like, you're talking about gods. Yeah, that's your problem. They have become your God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want me to deal with the liberals too when you're CNN? They have become your God. Anderson Cooper has become your God. And you trust his word over God's word. And God's like, hey, listen, I love Anderson. I love Hannity. I love them. But they are not me, and they don't speak for me. My word speaks for itself. And anybody that says anything different than my word is a liar. That's simple. Oh, man, that's good. That's really good. You got to believe it's God's word for it to work. God's word can correct you. And you, you're like, Robbie, you say that with, like it's an opportunity. Like, I look at God's correction as like a good opportunity. God's word can correct you. It's like saying, your dad can give you a, a spanking. You should be happy about it. You're like, what are you talking about? It's the worst possible thing that could happen. Not when it's God disciplining you. The Bible teaches us this. It says in Hebrews 4 and 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Man, we need our thought life and the attitudes of our heart judged by God's word. We do. Because there are a lot of people running around like they're speaking for God, and they are not. Their attitude isn't right. Their motives aren't right. Their heart isn't right. See, you can say the right thing, but say it in a judgmental and critical way, and that's not how God would say it. The Bible teaches us that when we speak the truth, we do what? We speak it with love. So God wants to deal with your motives, not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Because there are people in this room, I'm doing all the right stuff, but yeah, your motives are all wrong. I'm saying all the right things, yeah, but your heart isn't isn't right. God wants to deal with that. God's word is, is pure. Yes. Psalm 12 and 6 says, and the words of the Lord are flawless. 
They are like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. God's word does what it says. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 says, my word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. It's sanctifying. John 17, 17 says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. It gives life. Psalm 119, 37 says, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. It makes people wise. Ooh, that's really good. I like that one because that applies to me. Psalm 19 and seven, because this, I mean, this scripture applies to me. I'm not saying I'm wise. I'm just saying this is what the Bible says. It says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That's me. Oh, I'm simple, but it makes, it makes you wise. Psalm 119, 143 gives joy as pressure and stress bear down on me. I find joy where? In your commands. There it is again. He just took God's law and said, hey, here it is again. The whole nation falls on their face in repentance and revival breaks out. And the Bible said about Josiah, as long as he was king and as long as he was alive, they never failed to serve the Lord because they loved the word of the Lord. When stress is on me, anxiety is on me, I find joy, where? In his commands. It's amazing to me when Christians treat the commands of God like they're a burden. Like they're just like, oh my gosh, I can't, I, this like, thou shalt not steal. I just, if that wasn't in the Bible, I'd be perfect. I bet it's right there and I just can't, just can't stop it. I'm just a thief. I just steal stuff. <laughs> like, and if it wasn't for the Bible, I could be free. But it's, Did you kill anybody today? No, didn't. Why? Doggone Bible. It's bondage. I tell you, that's what it is. It's bondage. If it wasn't for the Bible, I'd just be able to kill anybody I felt like killing, you know? Did you spend your time comparing yourself to other people and wanting your neighbor's stuff and, and because of that, hating everything you have because you think everything everybody else has is better than yours? Uh, no. Stinking Bible won't let me compare myself, won't let me envy my neighbor's wife. Won't let me covet my neighbor's stuff. It's Bible. It's terrible. You see, like, people are like, oh, it's bondage. No, man, it's freedom. It's freedom. To do what God says is freedom. To obey God's word is life. He said, when stress gets to me and anxiety is overwhelming me, where do I go? I, get my, I turn that situation around by obeying God. That's how I flipped it. That's how I turned my situation. Some people are like, how can I begin to turn the page in my life? How can I begin to, I'm in a bad situation. I'm, things are bad for me right now. You don't understand, they're bad for me. How can I begin to turn the situation around? Start to obey God. Do what God says to do.
and your whole life will begin to turn. Your whole life will begin to take shape when you obey God. Wow. Give strength to the weak. Psalm 119, 28 says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Comfort, guidance. If you don't have faith, you know what you need? You need the word. Some people are like, oh, I just need to get in. I just need to get in a, in a, in a, in a service where the atmosphere is charged and I can just get it electrical charge and just feel something in it. Now, have you ever noticed that, you know, you can come into church and you can cry and you can weep and you can raise your hands, but when your boss starts acting like a fool on Monday and your coworkers start acting weird on Tuesday, you forget everything. That feeling is gone and you're ready to cuss somebody out and beat somebody up. What you need is God's word. You need to increase your faith, not by getting in the right environment, you know, because look at the book of Acts. I mean, these, these people are in an environment where their life is in jeopardy if they name the name of Jesus. They were told, we will kill you if you say anything about Jesus. They were, when people would gather together, they would round them up and they would kill them and they would crucify Christians and they would stone Christians. They couldn't get in an environment like this. They didn't have environments like this. They weren't really free to worship like this but they still had the power of God. Why? Because they have the word of God. The church is thriving in places all over the world where there is no public gathering of the church. Sometimes in China, they, get, they tear out a scripture and they put it in their pocket and they go out on a boat in the middle of a body of water and they open up that little scripture. They don't have a band playing. They don't have any speakers. They don't have any lights. They don't have any gifted singers. Nobody is preaching and, and getting everybody stirred up. They just open it up and they begin to read from that thing they ripped out of the Bible. And sometimes it's Deuteronomy. And the power of God will fall in that boat. Why? Because... Where the power is, it's in the word. It's not in the environment, it's in the word. See, that's why you can't allow the environment to dictate to you how you're gonna act. You let the word dictate how you are going to respond to the environment and how the, the environment is truly gonna respond to you. The disciples were amazed at Jesus and said, look at him, who is he that the wind and the waves obey him? The environment doesn't control him. He's sleeping in the middle of the storm. How does he do that? He's the word. It's a weapon. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 17 says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus used it as a weapon. The Bible says in Matthew chapter four that the tempter came. The tempter came and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered with this, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every, by every, by every, come on, can I get the congregation to say it? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's a weapon. 
It is written. So I need to know it. It, it can't just be a courtesy to God that I put it on the front page of my phone. It's on the front page of my phone, but if you were to go look at screen time, you'd discover that this app is the, probably the most used. That's my friend Abby there. <laughs> little Christmas boys. That's me preaching. Somebody just posted. My brother. Thanks, bro. I'll like that in a little bit. <laughs> it's my friends, the Blakeleys. Man, they, the Blakeleys, they posted a lot today. I might have to mute them later. They... <laughs> yeah, Evan, City Light. Look at that. I'm gonna get out of here. See what else I could do. I see that Bible app, but I got my notification this morning. I already read the Bible. It dropped down in my phone. I clicked on it, gave me a verse. <laughs> I'm gonna go spend about six hours on this one. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's Netflix. There it is. Courtesy. Hey, God, you're on the front page of my life. Just wanted you to know. I've even got you before the church app. There's the Bible, the church app, and then Netflix. It's under, it's submitted to the Word of God. Like, <laughs> and most of our Bibles are just placed on shelves, they're decorations. They're not the life that he intended for his word to be. I wonder if there's anybody in this room who would stand on your feet this morning and say, I'm gonna change that. Yes, sir. I'm gonna put God's word yeah. as the preeminent thing in my life. When Jesus said, listen to me, when Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm coming to you. When I leave, I go to the Father, I'm sending the Holy Spirit he wasn't just talking about the gifts, and we're gonna to get to the gifts. The main thing Jesus was talking about, the main role of the Holy Spirit, he said to his disciples, he said, he's gonna teach you, and he's gonna remind you of the things that I have said. This is, this is part of God's gift of the Holy Spirit. He's not treated that way. When God said, I'm sending you the Holy Ghost, he didn't just say, I'm sending you something that'll make your church services really good. I'm sending you my word. So you wanna engage the Holy Spirit? Engage his word. Engage what he wrote. And you will find power in this book like you have never found before. And you will be able to stand like Jesus did. And when the enemy comes and he says, so I heard this about God. Or so I heard this about your situation. Or this is what I think is gonna happen. You can be like, no, no, no. I know, not because my pastor told me. Not because my mama told me. But because I read this thing for myself. Devil, it is written. And some of y'all need to learn how to fight with this thing. And this is what happens sometimes too. Oh, I get in a situation. It's like, oh man, let me... Uh, let me get that Stephen Furtick podcast. My God, that guy's one of my favorite preachers, but oh my goodness, I gotta get that. What did, didn't Joel Osteen write a book about this? Is there a book, like, I need some encouragement. Didn't, didn't, didn't somebody write, like, wasn't there a book about, right? Yeah, 
It wasn't Stephen. It wasn't Joel. It wasn't the bishop, T.D. Jakes. It was God because all of their books, they stole from him anyway. It's copyright infringement every single time. It's God's word. You got to stop living your life. Oh, man, what was that verse pastor said? No, memorize it. Learn it yourself. You don't want to fight the devil with, well, well, Pastor Robbie told me. A lot of y'all fight your spouse that way. I hear it all the time. We get, somebody comes and talks to me and says, well, you preached, and I, so I told him. No, don't quote me. Quote the book. Not Pastor Robbie. Said, not my mama said. My Sunday school teacher taught. No, the Bible says it is written. I know it for myself. Amen. We throw your hands up in the air if you just are at that place where you're just like, God, I want, to, I want to treat your word the way your word deserves to be treated. I want to receive it the way it's intended to be received. I want to believe every single word. I want to, I want to put my confidence in it, my hope in it. I want, to, I want to trust in its reliability. I want to trust in its purity. I want to believe it's from you because if it's from if it's from men, it can't do anything for me. But if it's from you, it can change my whole life. And so I receive your word as God breathed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, if you're thankful for God's word, would you put your hands together this morning? I'm thankful for the word of God. Amen. Hey, listen, if you're in the room today and you need prayer for anything, please don't leave without giving us an opportunity to pray for you. If you're here and you say, man, I wanna make my way back to the Lord or I wanna give my life to Jesus. I want prayer for my sickness or I just got a report or I need prayer for my marriage. We would love to pray for you. Don't leave. Let us, let us meet you and talk to you. We got an awesome prayer team up front. And uh, aren't you guys thankful for our prayer team? We're so grateful for them. Amen. Well, love you. God bless you. See you soon.